Hello and welcome in to a NBA Draft edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find this Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast located at. It is the home for the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, as well as it being featured on all pl- podcast listening platforms, whether it's iTunes, whether it's you know Apple Podcast or Player FM or Google Play or whatever it may be, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You will find the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast on one of those apps. If you don't see it on there, hit me up and I will find a way to get it on there. Um, 2019 draft ended about, I'd say six hours ago. Um, it is now 2 a.m. in Denver, Colorado, and it was a more eventful draft than people had originally anticipated. By now, I am sure you know that the Denver Nuggets traded, um, into the second round, acquired the 44th pick so that they may draft and acquire Bull Bull out of the University of Oregon, which is a 7-2 with a, he's, he's a 7-2 three-point shooting center with a 7-7 wingspan who blocks shots, attacks closeouts, and all kinds of crazy things. Um, I'm going to eventually, probably on Friday afternoon-ish, I will have a film study up about what Bull Bulb just brings to the table as a player, not even Nugget-specific, but just what he brings to the table as a player. But in this podcast, I just want to kind of cover the ins and outs of the chaos that transpired tonight. Not only were there just an absurd amount of trades. I mean, I, there was like 742 trades that happened tonight throughout the NBA draft process, which may be a slight over-exaggeration, but it is not t- entirely off-base. But in addition to that, we had what is the greatest diss track beef in terms of hip-hop that the NBA has ever had. Damian Lillard ethered and annihilated and eviscerated and obliterated and just absolutely wiped Marvin Bagley off of the face of the earth. And this is not to say that Marvin Bagley was not good. Marvin Bagley's tape was actually pretty good considering the the low bar that NBA players have set in terms of hip-hop ability. But you don't step to Damian Lillard. That man absolutely killed him with two separate diss tracks that he dropped today and then proceeded to, be, to say, I'm done, I'm going to go back to working on my album. So Damian Lillard destroyed Marvin Bagley off the floor in hip-hop sense. We had all those trades happen, and somehow the Nuggets despite having no picks in this draft, came away with a player who has the talent level to potentially be a top 5 player, top 10 player in the 2019 draft when things are all said and done. Um, We're going to talk about whatever the hell just happened. We're going to talk about why Denver made this move and why they went and got another high-impact yet injured player to be able to fit on their team. We'll talk about why Bull Bulls fell so far in this draft, why he was ranked so high to start the college season and out of high school before jumping into a few Twitter questions or listener questions that came in through the interwebs. Before we do that, though, as I always do, i got to pay some bills and give some love to the people who make this show what it is. First of all, the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is is powered by Mile High Sports. That is where this podcast is located. It is who I work for. This is the home for the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Secondly, this podcast would not sound as beautiful as it does if not for the fact that Rod Simba and the Regulators Production Group do what they do to make these beats so bet so great for this podcast. They were cool enough to reach out to me and you know set something up to where I can make this podcast sound significantly more professional. And for me, as a complete hip hop affectionado and I just adore hip hop with every little fiber of my being, it's very cool to have such great 
production on the intro and outro of this podcast. And last and certainly not least is Terrapin Care Station, who is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. They are the benefactor of this podcast per se. So without them, there wouldn't be a Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. So before I go any further, here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. That starts for when the draft starts. So, as the Denver Nuggets always do, the media goes into the press lounge, watches the NBA draft and all the different TVs that are there. There's some food, whatever. And we all cover the game or the draft on location from the Pepsi Center. So, we all show up, and it was so bizarre this time compared to years past because for years and years and years, the Nuggets draft was the most important day of the year for them, arguably. They built most of this roster through their draft picks that Tim Connolly was able to use that is something that has it it is the identity of what this Nuggets front office has been able to accomplish is their acumen when it comes to the draft itself so going from that to where the draft is such a hyper important aspect of what the Denver Nuggets franchise does as a collective group to coming into the draft when the Nuggets have no picks the draft is as I don't want to say weak but there is no clear-cut individuals that would be able to put the Nuggets over the top or anything like that, It we came, everyone kind of came in expecting nothing to happen. And that was a very fair assessment. It was my assessment as, as well as many others in the local Denver Nuggets media world. So, you know, draft pick after draft pick, trade after trade, it kind of just keeps going, and the Nuggets name is not being mentioned in any capacity, which to all of us kind of started to spell out the fact that the Nuggets aren't going to do anything. They already have Michael Porter Jr. who didn't play last year, Jared Vanderbilt barely played, Vlako Chanchar is still in the ACB League and will be coming over for Summer League. They have these players that haven't even really touched the floor in a meaningful way for the Denver Nuggets that have that are just waiting for their opportunity to do so. So with that being said, there was no reason for the Nuggets to go out of their way to go make a draft pick. But according to Tim Connolly, when he spoke to the media after this event, he said that the Nuggets took a few stabs trying to find a way into the draft again. And what it sounded like was there was too many people who were asking for too much. And when you talk about Kevin Porter Jr., it took, I I, I mean, it was, I believe Cleveland sent four second round picks and five million dollars to buy the 30th pick in the draft to be able to go get Kevin Porter Jr. The Nuggets would not be willing to put that kind of trade package together to go get one individual. So instead of that, 
they waited. They kept their cards close to their chest, and they just let the draft continue to play out in front of them. And what ended up happening, as we all know now, is Bol Bol continually and continually and continually kept falling. And that made the Nuggets' eyes bright up like crazy because the Nuggets are opportunistic. They don't force things. This is what this has been a common misconception. Tim Connolly is not just relentlessly aggressive. He's a guy who plays his cards to the best possible ability that they can do. He's about efficiency, not just aggression. So that's what they did. You know what? We're going to let everybody else make these decisions. We're going to see how the draft plays out. And as Bull Bull got closer and closer to them, the Nuggets felt they had to jump at the opportunity. You're talking the middle of the second round at this point, and all it took for the Nuggets to get the 44th pick was a future second round pick and just pure cash. So they sent Miami some cash, and they sent a future second round pick, and they had, and then they drafted Bull Bull, who before the season started, the collegiate basketball season started, was a top 10 preseason player that was projected to be drafted in that top 10 area. So now we start talking about why did Denver make this decision? Why did they draft a guy like Bull Bull? Well, it makes sense despite the fact that the Nuggets have a stacked roster and they have Nikola Jokic as their bonafide superstar at the center position, Walsh on the bench, and Jared Vanderbilt. Despite all of those things that make it kind of weird to trade for a guy like Bull Bull, the Nuggets did it anyway. The reason why, in my opinion, this is speculation, that the Nuggets felt so comfortable, and my, or Tim Connolly kind of talked about this a bit in his, in his uh, press conference, was the Nuggets don't need him. It's very similar to the Michael Porter Jr. situation in which the Nuggets have all the means in the world to draft this guy and just let him get better and not need to put any type of pressure upon his shoulders that is unnecessary or unneeded or would stunt his growth as an individual. So because of that, the Nuggets were kind of felt like, why not take a guy who, even if it's only a you know, 5, 10, 20% chance, again, all speculation, that he can become the player that we thought he might become, why not see if he can do it? Why not go get that guy if it costs so little to do so? Um, I was talking to a source tonight during the draft, and they told me, they were like, listen, this is almost a free pick for us considering the way that we were going about building this deal. Like, the cash is just cash. We can live with that. The fact that it's a future second-round pick that I believe will have some sort of protection on it, I don't know, that is not been confirmed yet this is essentially the nuggets doing the bare minimum to get a player who could be a top 10 player and that's how the nuggets have to start approaching the draft michael porter jr would have never fallen to them if it wasn't for the fact that he had his back issues and his hip issue there's no way bull bull would have even been available for the nuggets for the price they wanted to pay to get into the draft if he didn't have his injury so the nuggets felt you know what we have the culture set in place, we have the staff in place, and we already have a roster in place to where we can develop these guys slowly and methodically and not have to force them into anything while also still winning. This is how you continually keep a team functional for a long period of time, not just for a short period of time where things fall apart very quickly like most star teams do, but I'm talking about a long-standing, potentially decade-long type of window to contend. This is how the Spurs did it. They always found solid players deeper in the draft when no other teams did, and because of that, they were able to stay competitive much longer than people expected. So the Nuggets being able to continually make these types of decisions is going to be very beneficial to them because this is the thing. If Bull Bull does not pan out, does not play a second of basketball, the Nuggets 
do not really get hurt from that. Yes, you lose a second round pick potentially, but if the Nuggets do this four or five, six times throughout the life of this franchise for however long this organization, this regime is currently in occupation for this organization, you're going to find players that are helpful. You're going to find the Michael Porter Juniors and the Bull Bulls who could potentially, despite the fact that they got drafted so much further away than they should have, can produce like a top 10 pick. So this is a why not? This is a low-risk, extremely high-reward type of a decision for the Denver Nuggets to make. But with that being said, that leads us to the next point of this conversation, which is, why the hell did Bull Bull, despite all of these you know, big grand proclamations about how good he is, fall from a potential top 10 pick to 44? Injuries, a single injury does not lead to a player losing 34 potential draft slots when they have the talent and the skill set that Bull Bull does. That is a very surprising drop. That is not just a simple, oh, someone slid in the draft. Like, no, Jamal Murray slid from three to seven. That's a slide. You know, this is a completely different beast. And from what I have been able to gather, first of all, the medicals have not looked good period. And that's not to say that he can't get better, but overall, when you are seven foot two and you move as a mobile center in the NBA and you've already gotten a stress fracture in your left foot, that is a recurring issue potentially. It is very difficult for big men to deal with stress fractures like that, and that could potentially be a big red flag. So his medicals allowed him to fall. And that is something that is going to be ha- is going to have to be monitored from this point forward because who knows what they're going to get from him in 5 6 years cuz there are so few players or people on this earth that have the build that Ball Ball does in addition to that despite the fact that Ball Ball is 72 with a 77 wingspan whatever the chaos that is he is very thin he is 208 pounds at 7 foot 2 That doesn't make physical sense to me. That is terrifyingly thin. That is like, you know, everyone talked about Kristaps Porzingis being thin. This is thinner than Kristaps Porzingis from what my eyes have shown me. So with that being the case, him being so thin, his hips being so thin, he doesn't have a frame in which he can add more muscle. There can add some muscle, but not in a gigantic way in which it can change the way that he plays basketball. From what we know, Bol Bol is who he is because of what his body allows him to do. It is going to be interesting to see how his, how his career progresses. He can refine things, but from my vantage point, which is not a very intelligent vantage point because I'm 26 and I don't work for an NBA team. I'm just a very low paid blog boy who does their best to enjoy basketball all the time. But that is not a player who is able to develop happening. So Bull Bull is going to be a very thin, very long three point shoulder move, guys. I am accepting that as just a fact and moving forward with it. Still, with that being said, there are reasons that he was ranked so high as a top 10 potential pick in the preseason before the NCAA season started. So let's talk about why that's the case, which directly relates us back to the fact that, yes, Bull Bull is 7 foot He has a 7'7 wingspan. He is one of the most effortless three-point shooters that is a big that I have ever seen. And when you add into the fact that he is usually about 3-4 inches taller than other bigs who shoot threes, that's even more incredible. But there's things about his game that people are missing. Yes, he's a good three-point shooter, and he's a diverse three-point shooter. I've seen him pull up off the dribble before. He has different kinds of shot arrangement within his skill set. But 
He's more than just a three-point shooter. He can attack off the dribble so much better than people would ever expect for someone who is that long. You would think someone that long and that young would have a lot of difficulty controlling their limbs and where they go and their hand-eye coordination and things like that. Just because if your arm is twice as long than anybody else's, it's hard to control that in a way that everybody else controls their half-long arm. So... With that being said, I have no idea how the hell he's hitting these threes, and the fact that he is putting inside-out dribbles into crossovers and blowing by guys off the bounce, that is crazy. That is not a skill set that you will see from a big of any kind, especially one with a 7-7 wingspan that has the frame that he does. It looks bizarre just to watch him play, but it's effective. And he is one of the more, I guess, hmm... He's just, he has a more, uh, he has a bigger ability to be more productive offensively than most bigs in this class. That's why the Nuggets felt comfortable still reaching for him. Well, reaching's the wrong term. Drafting him at 44 and trading to get him because there is so much ability for him offensively. And defensively, this dude is a hell of a shot blocker, which should be the case considering he is a 7-7 wingspan. This is somebody who is going to be disruptive in passing lanes. He's going to block shots and he's going to be a terrorist. He, is, he may not be a defender that is going to be able to body up guys in the post and one-on-one stop guys, but w- rotating over from the weak side, sticking his hand in and stunting down as an off-ball defender on the perimeter, he can cause so much chaos in that way. So, Bull Bull has a three-point jumper. He can attack off the bounce. He's long and athletic and has the size and blocks all kinds of shots and has such an interesting and unique and diverse skill set. He just it's, it's the fact that he is so thin and lacks so much strength that makes people so much more nervous about him. So, But that is why Bull Bull is ranked so high, in my opinion. And a big reason that people keep missing is the fact that he can play off the bounce so much better than people realize. Now... I'm going to get into a bunch of Twitter questions. Um, I'm I'm going to be a lot more, uh, with some of them, I'm going to be more in-depth just because I want to use some of these questions as a catalyst to be able to dive into more interesting conversations about Bull Bull in almost a more hypothetical realm because it's hard to know anything about what the Nuggets are thinking about him for how things currently stand as we are right now. So let's just dive into some Twitter questions. So, the first question comes from Eric on Twitter. He asked, with the addition of Bull, do you see Connolly trying to work a Plumley trade or decline Millsap's option to free up salary for a big splash? I want to answer this question quickly just because there's not a whole lot to go in with it, and that's why I wanted to start with it, and I do not think that Bull Bull has any impact on any kind of decision when it comes to roster construction. Right now, he is an unknown, undiscovered commodity that no one has any idea of what he will turn into over time. So as of right now, when you use the term project, that is exactly what this is. Bull Bull will sit there and do the best to not impact anything negatively around him while the Nuggets do their best to make him the best player he can be. It's going to take time, but he is not, in my opinion, from what I understand, going to have any bearing on how the Nuggets continually go through their free agency process. He is not that important right now. To be completely frank, he is not important enough and not a known commodity enough to garner that kind of attention to where the Nuggets would make that kind of a drastic decision to change things. So, the next question comes from Andrew. Where does he fit into the rotation? So, this is going to be a little bit more of a long-winded answer because there's so much going on with this question. So, 
At first, there isn't going to be room for him. I wouldn't be surprised if they registered him next year, not because he couldn't play, but because there is literally not room for him on this roster. He may be like Jared Vanderbilt, where he doesn't come back until January, he'll play in the G League for a month and a half, and then he'll be around the Nuggets as they go through the end of the season, hopefully the playoffs, to be able just to be around the team. I do not see a scenario in which he is a part of the rotation as a backup center or power forward in the team at all. So that's where I'm at. We'll see and kind of see what happens but again I want to live in a hypothetical world to a degree um, with this part of the podcast so let's look forward let's talk about four years from now let's just talk about a point to where he does kind of have enough of a um a sample size under his belt to where people feel comfortable enough as in the Nuggets coaching staff to play him actual real minutes in the rotation when that happens let's just say it's exactly 18 months from right now, you're talking about January of next year, he starts really making some inroads as a, in, into the rotation. I do not think he will be able to play backup center in the NBA. He is going to be just too thin. He is going to get moved and he is going to get attacked on defense over and over and over and over again. So with that being said, I think it makes more sense as things currently are constructed. And again, this take of mine could and probably will change as time goes along and I get to know his game better, but I would play him as a power forward. I would have him playing as a weak side shot blocking power forward who is a stretch four who can attack closeouts, hit threes, and isn't being defended or attacking gigantic big centers who are stronger and more physical than he is. This is Bull Bull is not the kind of player that can just bang guys down low. You can't do that. He doesn't have the F he doesn't have the physical ability to do so. So why not have him play a more perimeter-oriented game, use his size to your advantage in a mismatch against a power forward, and allow him to use his skill set. Allow him to take threes off the catch and off the dribble. Allow him to, to attack the closeouts off the catch if guys are getting worried about that. Um, allow, allow him to just basically not get destroyed by NBA centers. Let him use his length and size off ball to be a disruptive defender. Let him play that short corner dunker spot... Because that is where he can at least allow his skill set to shine in a way that it thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to this is the funniest thing that I can think of is Jokic and Bol Bol in the front court starting together. There might not be two more different bigs in the world, and yet they are on the exact same team, and I find that very funny. But thank you for the question because it made my mind run a little bit more than I thought it would. The next question came in from Hockey is Bay, was the name on Twitter, and he asked a couple questions that I wanted to get into. So first he asked, what is Bull's upside? And this is something that I want to get into because it is almost impossible to quantify what the hell he is going to be at his peak if he gets to what his ceiling is. All I can think about is he would be a 7-2 stretch 4 who can attack closeouts off the bounce, gets a little bit stronger, uses his athleticism a little bit better, and becomes smarter defensively. Like, if he can do that, you're talking about just, like, imagine if Ryan Anderson was 7-2, was better off the dribble, more athletic, and would attack closeouts, actually. Like, that's the kind of player that we're kind of talking about. But again, I have no damn idea what the hell Bull Bull can become because there are so few players that have ever existed like him. The really the only one that has is his father, Manute Bull. So <coughs> I'm sorry. Um it's it's one of those things to where I genuinely do not know. Like I don't know how to put this into a statistical category. I don't know how to talk about an archetype. Like I do not know. He is that unique. 
Um, so it, when it comes to that one, that's another just wait and see situation, which is very frustrating. But from what I understand right now, imagine him as just this sweet shooting stretch four who happens to be 7'2 with a 7'7 wingspan, who can block the hell out of shots from the weak side, can attack closeouts off the dribble, and can dunk on guys in that fashion and really put pressure on teams as an off-ball threat, not an on-ball threat. Um, the next question that Hockey is Bay asked was, can we expect him to play in Summer League? This is a tougher question because the Nuggets have not even had a chance to get him into Denver yet. Very, very, very rarely have the Nuggets been able to draft a player that they had come in for a workout. And the Nuggets only had one round of workouts this year because they had no draft picks. So... The Nuggets have not gotten Bull Bull into Denver to where they can actually evaluate where he is at. So over the next week or so, from what I understand, he will be arriving in Denver. They will get doctors on him. They will figure out where he's at physically. They will figure out where they need to go from here, how close he is to being 100% if he is at 100%. And then they will make the decision on Summer League from that point. I have told, it seems like it's, from what I've been told, it seems unlikely that he will play Summer League, but it is far from completely ruling him out. They are leaving all opportunities open for him because they don't have enough information to be able to make an educated guess in the correct fashion. Tim Connolly flat out said tonight when they asked him about um, about his health, he was like, I'm not a doctor. I'm very dumb when it comes to being a doctor. I leave that to the doctors. So that's kind of the situation. They need to be able to get their hands on him and see who he is and where he is at. So last question from Chandler Jenkins, who's a great follower and a great dude and someone who's always supporting. I appreciate you. He asked, how does Bull fit defensively with Jokic or Denver? Uh, simply stated, he doesn't. And that's where they're at right now. Who knows how things progresses? If for some reason, Bull Bull becomes a more productive off, uh, you know, power forward who can be a weak side rim protector, then sure, maybe there is some potential for defensive viability alongside Nikola Jokic. But as things are currently constructed, he is a disaster defensively as Nikola Jokic is improving. So we'll see. I Right now, it would hurt a lot to play them together. But again, it's a wait and see kind of thing. Thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you for following Mile High Sports for all of this coverage of the draft. There wasn't nearly as much this time because there was no rumors. The Nuggets literally were only involved in one situation. But having Bowl Bowl in Denver is going to be hyper interesting. So stick with, with, with the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Go subscribe, follow, retweet, like, uh, leave five-star review. Whatever you do with your podcast, please do that. Support this podcast. It helps me grow it more and more and more each time that I do one. And until next time, thank you guys very much, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.